When was the last time that you felt inadequate? Well, that brought a few smiles. <laughs> when was the last time you felt inadequate on your job or as a student at school? For those of us who are, uh, who are married, when was the last time that you felt inadequate as a spouse? For those who have children, when was the last time you felt inadequate as a parent, as a dad, or as a mom? When was the last time you felt inadequate about a service role within the body of Christ right here at Hawkwood? When was the last time you felt inadequate as a witness for Christ to a neighbor or a coworker or a friend? My hunch is that if you and I were really honest, that most, if not all of us in this room would probably answer at least one of those questions that I just posed with, uh, well, this last week, or, well, yesterday, or, are you kidding? Right now. (laughs) And you know what? Your new senior pastor would be right in there with you. A guy named uh, Malcolm Maltz, author of the book Psycho-Cybernetics, says that 95% of people in our society have strong feelings of inadequacy. One pastor uh, remarked, 95% 95 of us feel inadequate, the other 5% are liars. (laughs) Our, uh, Our society tells us that the way to deal with inadequacy is by looking inward, that everything we need to experience a sense of adequacy is already inside of us. I read in an online self-help article this past week, and I quote, you are enough. Everything you need is already inside of you. But that is not the message God gives us in his word. God says that you and I are not enough. We will not find real and lasting adequacy by drawing upon anything in our human nature. Why? Because you and I are tainted. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that our human heart is more deceitful than anything else and is desperately sick. God tells us that real Adequacy can only be experienced in Jesus Christ, and that adequacy is made possible by the great exchange. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He, God, made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. When Christ died on the cross, he took upon himself all of our sins, but he didn't just take something from us He gave us something in return. He gave us his righteousness, his right standing with God, his adequacy. How do we experience Christ's adequacy in our everyday lives? How do we move from our own inadequacy to experience the adequacy of God in our work, at school, in our marriages, as parents, in our service within the church, and in our witness to those who are around us? Well, today, we're going to explore that question 
by looking at the life of an individual from the Bible that struggled with inadequacy. His name is Gideon, and we've already heard a good part of his story today in the three readings that uh, have taken place here from Scripture. Before we go on, let's pause just for a minute, and let's ask God to help us to hear what it is he's saying to us, both individually and collectively as a people. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you that you are here. And thank you that you invite us into your presence. And Lord, as we draw close to you, you draw close to us and you speak into our lives. When you speak and we listen and we respond, we experience change, we experience transformation. And God, our desire this morning is not just to go through the motions of church. We want to encounter you. So Father, open our spiritual ears. Lord, soften our hearts so that we might receive your words to us today. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, in Judges 6, we read that God shows up and assigns to Gideon a task, a mission, for which he views himself as completely inadequate. God calls Gideon to deliver the Israelites, the people of God, from the tyranny and oppression of nomadic raiders who live to the east. As I was working on the sermon this week, I stopped for a minute and I said, said what's something that, ha- that a modern-day equivalent to uh, the call that Gideon had? And this is what I came up with. This would be kind of like uh, uh, the Lord showing up in your bedroom tonight and saying, Sean, um, or Gail, um, and then the next thing he says to you, you could insert your name there, by the way, I just happened to pick on them today. And the next thing he says, you mighty debater. I want you to debate renowned atheist Richard Dawkins, and I'm going to convince the world through your performance in the debate that atheism is entirely illogical and that Christianity is the real deal. My guess is that Sean, even though he's a very eloquent speaker and a good communicator, he has to do a lot of public things in his job. And Gail is also, she talks very, very easily. My guess is that they, and the rest of you, and I know I would be in this camp, would probably say something like, uh, Lord, I think you got the wrong house number. Or, uh, God, this is so out of my league. I, I'm totally inadequate for this assignment. This is kind of what Gideon would have been experiencing when the Lord shows up and says, I want you to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people to the east who have been terrorizing you as a people. Well, in the case of Gideon, he pulled off his mission. How did he do it? How did Gideon move from inadequacy to adequacy? He did it by by doing three things. First, Gideon moved from inadequacy to adequacy by receiving God's grace. Gideon was no spiritual giant. He was an ordinary guy just like you and me. You say, Kent, well, how do you know that? Well, let me give you four reasons that are pretty obvious from the scripture. Number one, we know Gideon was no spiritual giant because he showed ignorance of God's covenant with Israel. Gideon seems clueless about the connection of Israel's sin of idolatry to their current condition of oppression. 
In chapter 6, verse 13, he even accuses God of abandoning his people. He shows no awareness of the covenant God had made with his people. God had promised to bless and protect the Israelites if they obeyed him and kept his laws. But God vowed to withdraw that blessing and protection if they disobeyed him. Well, how else do we know that Gideon was no spiritual giant? Gideon lived in a household that practiced idolatry. We learn in chapter 6, verse 25, that Gideon's father was clearly a Baal worshiper. It's difficult to imagine in the prevailing culture of his day that Gideon had resisted the errant spiritual leadership of his dad. The family line of authority from his father would have been too strong to resist. Gideon showed ignorance of God's covenant, and he lived in a household that practiced idolatry. But we also know he was no spiritual giant because he doubted God's word. God's word to Gideon was that he would be victorious, and that should have been enough. But Gideon chose to ask God for proof. First, in chapter 6, verse 17, Gideon asked God for a sign to confirm the call. So the angel of the Lord touches his staff to the food Gideon has prepared, and fire comes from the rock, consuming the food, and the angel of the Lord disappears. And Gideon uh, probably, uh, you know, had to go have, a, have a, a, an attire change after that, you know, because he was so shaken up. But the first sign was not enough. Midway through the story in chapter 6 in verses 36 to 40, Gideon asked God for two more signs, the wet and dry fleeces or sheepskins, to further assure him of victory in battle. Yet later in the story in chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, we learn that Gideon is still doubting and God uses a dream of one of the Midianite soldiers to provide him some additional proof. So Gideon showed ignorance of God's covenant. He lived in an idolatrous household. He doubted God's word. And the fourth thing that shows he was no spiritual giant, he was fearful and made excuses, pointing out his inadequacy for the task to which God was calling him. In chapter 6, verse 11, we see that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now, a wine press wasn't a usual location to be threshing wheat. Gideon had chosen it because he feared for his life and his livelihood. He was trying to stay hidden and out of sight from the Midianites. Then in verse 15, we hear Gideon's excuses. He says, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Gideon was saying, God, you've got the wrong guy. I'm a nobody. I'm inadequate for the task. Like Gideon, how many times do you and I Walk in spiritual ignorance of God's ways. How many times are we blinded to sinful attitudes and behavior in our own lives? How many times do we doubt God's word? How many times are we controlled by fear and make excuses to God, focusing on our own inadequacy? You say, Kent, what does all that have to do with your first point, that Gideon moved from inadequacy to adequacy by receiving God's grace? It has everything to do with it. There's a strong focus throughout the story of Gideon upon the grace of God. Gideon did not experience God's adequacy because he was a model believer, because he got it all right, because he had all of his spiritual ducks in a row. The writer of Judges helps us to see that Gideon experienced God's grace despite himself. 
God did not give Gideon what he deserved. Instead, God kept patiently revealing his divine sufficiency. Without grace, Gideon could have never experienced God's adequacy. And like Gideon, you and I will never experience the adequacy of God except through grace. Without grace, you and I will be doomed to inadequacy in every area of our lives. But God's grace is available to us, and it's greater than all of our sin, than all of our spiritual ignorance and blindness, than all of our doubts and fears, and yes, even bigger than all of our excuses. To experience grace, it has to be received. I'm going to pick on somebody this morning, and uh, she's not going to like this, but I'm going to ask Margaret Landra to come up here. Margaret, would you come up here for a minute? I have something uh, for Margaret, and the reason is um, I've been here for all of nine or ten days. Come up here, stand up beside me. I know you'll get me later for this, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I've been here for all of nine or ten days, and uh, there's probably been not a day that's gone by that I've been here in the office that I haven't made my way into Margaret's office a number of times during the day and asked her various questions. Margaret, uh, do we have a so-and-so? Margaret, uh, where is this? Margaret, I'm not finding a number for this person in my church directory. How do I contact them? Um, Margaret this, Margaret that. And you know what? Every time I've come into her office, she's just kept smiling and she says, Kent, I'm so glad to be able to help you and support you and help you, help you feel welcome here. And she has done such a good job of that. I have already come to deeply appreciate you very, very much. You, you really are a servant deluxe. And I know that's because of the Lord, but we have to cooperate with him. So I, I have something for you. I talked to a little bird and I found out something that you really, really like. I hear that there is a, that there is a retail establishment that you like to frequent and um, that they sell uh, Americanas there. It's called Starbucks. And uh, um, the little bird told me that if I was going to get you something that you could really use and that you would really appreciate that would be just the right fit for you, that uh, I might find it at that store. So uh, I made a little trip there uh, on Friday, and I, and, I, and I purchased this gift for you. I had, it, I had you in mind. Um, it's something I know that you can use and that will be very special and even be helpful uh, to you. But I have a question for you. What do you have to do to benefit from what's in this bag? What do you have to do to benefit from the gift that I want to give you? You have to accept it. That's right. Remember, grace has to be received to benefit the recipient. And in this case, Margaret has to receive this gift if she wants to benefit from what I have provided for you. Are you willing to receive it? I think that's a yes. I think that's a yes. I think we should give her a hand for doing this. <laughs> I have a question for you. Just like Margaret received the gift that, uh, that I went out and purchased for her, thinking of her, um, and that was especially tailored for her, have you received God's gift of grace by placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you have, 
Are you receiving the fresh and ongoing grace that is available to you today in your areas of felt inadequacy? Gideon moved from inadequacy to adequacy by receiving God's grace. But he also moved from inadequacy to adequacy by experiencing God's empowerment. In chapter 6, verse 34, we read, Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, summoning the Abizrites to follow him. Gideon could not have fulfilled God's call in his own strength and power. There was no chance that his ragtag group of 300 militiamen could defeat a vast army of highly trained and experienced marauders. The Spirit of God enabled Gideon to do what he could not have done in his own limited adequacy. Like Gideon, God enables us to move from inadequacy to discover his adequacy by empowering us through his Spirit. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, the Spirit of God has come to live and dwell inside you. The same Spirit that enabled Gideon to do what was not humanly possible wants to empower you and me for each and every task God calls us to. In Gideon's day, the Holy Spirit came upon individuals on specific occasions for a period of time. Since Pentecost, the Spirit doesn't just come upon individuals. He comes to dwell in, to live inside every believer. If you are a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the triune God, lives inside of you, and one of his roles is to fill you with Christ's adequacy for everything God appoints or asks you to do. Second Peter 1 Chapter 1, verse 3 says that God's divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And what is the source of that power? It is the Spirit, God's Spirit, that lives, that resides within us. You know, the Bible is filled with accounts of God choosing unlikely individuals that faced insurmountable odds to fulfill his plan and to salvage the human race. He chose Abraham, a nomadic herder, to be the father of the Israelites and through whom to bring the Messiah. He chose Moses, an excuse-making shepherd, to lead Israel out of Egyptian bondage. We're hearing today that he chose Gideon, a hesitant farmer, to deliver Israel from cruel oppression. He chose Samson, a woman-chasing judge, to kill thousands of Philistines. He chose David, a heart-playing shepherd boy, to slay a giant. He chose an identity-hiding girl, Esther, to save the Jews from extinction in Persia. He chose Mary, a common Jewish teenager in Nazareth, to conceive as a virgin the Son of God. He chose Peter, a rash and impulsive fisherman with no education, to lead the church. And he chose Saul, a Christian hater and killer, to carry the gospel to the Gentiles and to the world. And you know what? He also chooses you and me. The most unlikely of individuals who sometimes faced insurmountable odds to be a part of partnering with him to carry out his plan, his will in the world around us. Yes, God is still in the business of calling ordinary and unlikely people today and empowering them by his spirit with his adequacy to do what is humanly improbable or even impossible. 
Are you acknowledging the work of the Holy Spirit within to empower you in roles in which you feel inadequate? Gideon moved from inadequacy to adequacy by receiving God's grace, by experiencing God's empowerment, and by obeying God's voice. We've already noted that Gideon was no spiritual giant. In fact, he doubted God's word and he struggled to trust God. But despite his spiritual wrestling, Gideon Gideon chose to obey God and God blessed his obedience. In chapter 6, verses 25 to 27, we see that Gideon obeyed God by tearing down his father's altar to Baal and erecting an altar to Yahweh on which he made a holy sacrifice pleasing to God. God knew that Gideon needed to deal with his spiritual baggage. He needed to take a stand for God, even if that meant going against his family and cultural norms. God could not fully bless Gideon if he was living outside of God's covenantal expectations. Besides besides tearing down his father's altar, Gideon chose twice to obey God's command to whittle away his army. In chapter 7, verse 3, we learn that Gideon started out with, get this, 32,000 soldiers. In chapter 7, verse 8, we read that he ended up with only how many? 300. God arranged circumstances to make Gideon aware of his fear and doubt. Not to rub Gideon's nose in it, but to help Gideon move past it. God wanted no opportunity for Gideon to chalk up the victory to his own ingenuity or leadership. He ensured that Gideon would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that his newfound adequacy was from God. Gideon also chose to go into battle against seemingly insurmountable odds. In Judges chapter 8, verse 10, we learn how many enemy soldiers Gideon's band of 300 was up against. Are you ready for this? We didn't actually read it. It's in chapter 8. There were 135,000 enemy soldiers. It was 300 against 135,000. That's crazy. We need to remember that even though Gideon had heard the dream from the Midianite soldier telling of disaster to the eastern marauders, he did not know how God would provide the victory. Common sense would tell us that the eastern coalition forces would have shortly deduced that they greatly outnumbered this ragtag little band. But Gideon chose to obey. His obedience was was rewarded as God brought the Eastern coalition into confusion and they began killing themselves. If Gideon had not obeyed God in destroying his father's altar and reducing the size of his army and and in jumping into an attack where humanly he stood no reasonable chance of success, he would not have experienced God's adequacy. Like Gideon, if you and I are to move from inadequacy to adequacy, we must choose to obey God's voice. You say, Kent, if you haven't already picked it up, I like to ask questions and I, I, can be, I can guess that some of you are saying, well, Ken, how does God speak today? Well, he can do so any way he desires. After all, he's God. But he primarily speaks to us in four ways. Through his word, through the Holy Spirit who indwells us, through the church, the body of Christ, and through circumstances. It's important to remember that 
whatever channel of communication God chooses, if we are truly hearing God's voice, the message will always be in harmony with his written word, the plumb line of truth that he's given to us. Gideon moved from inadequacy to adequacy by receiving God's grace, by experiencing God's empowerment, and by obeying God's voice. You and I can move from our own inadequacy to experiencing God's adequacy by doing the same things. Let me ask you a question. For which task that God has already called you to or is currently calling you to, do you feel inadequate? Some of you here today feel inadequate related to your standing with God. If your earthly life were to end today, you're unsure if you would spend eternity with God or be separated from him forever. God is inviting you this morning to discover the adequacy he has provided for you through the gift of forgiveness and life made available through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Will you receive his gift today? If so, I want to encourage you in just a few moments when our service ends to come forward and to make this known to one of our prayer team members. They will pray with you and encourage you in your new spiritual journey. Others of you here today feel inadequate as a, as a spouse, as a parent, as a student, as an employee or employer, as a servant within the church, or as a witness for Christ in your daily world. The answer is not just to try harder. The answer is not as our society says, to search your inner self for strength and confidence. The answer is to embrace the adequacy that is found in Jesus Christ. We do that by doing what Gideon did, by receiving God's grace, by experiencing the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and by choosing to obey God even when we have doubts and fears. Will you choose to do that today? If you do, your faith journey will become an adventure like Gideon's in which you and I see God at work in our lives and through Hawkwood Baptist Church in ways that stagger our imagination. I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes right now and to listen in the quietness for God's voice going to ask our worship team to go ahead and come forward and prepare for our last song. But I want to ask you right now to tell God what task you have been called to or that he is currently calling you to for which you feel inadequate. Just in the silence, just in the quiet right now, tell God what it is you feel inadequate about. And I'm going to do the same thing. Now, if this is the desire of your heart, I want to invite you to to tell God something else. I want to invite you to tell God that this morning you are choosing to receive his grace 
his empowerment and to obey him in what he is asking of you. So if, that, if that's the desire of your heart, tell God that you're choosing to receive his adequacy, just like Gideon did right now. Now, I want to invite you to do one other thing. I want to invite you to tell God thank you, to say thank you to him for the gift of his, of his adequacy that you are going to experience. Let's do that again right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks. And you are, you are also a God who calls us to participate with you in your kingdom work within our families, in our jobs, in our extracurricular activities, in our service within the body of Christ, and in our witness to the world. Thank you that you give to us your adequacy and that adequacy is made possible through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we received that adequacy this morning, thanking you that it was made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. Father, thank you that just like Gideon, you call us unlikely individuals to be a part of accomplishing your purposes in this world. Thank you that we, give to be, that we get to be a part of that and that we don't have to, have to try to make it happen in our own strength. In fact, Lord, we can't. Today, we acknowledge our need for you, but we also acknowledge and thank you for your sufficiency, for the adequacy that you bring when we receive the grace that you have for us when we allow your Holy Spirit to empower us and when we walk in obedience to your voice. Help us to do that this day, this week. And Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in and through our lives and in and through the ministry of this group of people called Hawkwood Baptist Church. God, may you receive all the glory. We pray these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.